Hey CEOs, welcome back to the CEO Wing Women podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and I am so excited for the guest we have today. We have talked prior to recording just a few minutes and it already seems like this is going to be so incredibly valuable for you guys. So I am thrilled to announce Byron Morrison. Byron is the author of books, The Effective CEO and CEO in Control. He helps CEOs take control and become more effective in their role. Over the years, he's worked with CEOs in over 15 different countries, ranging from startups, tech companies, global production firms, billion dollar unicorns in Silicon Valley, and so many more. His work is all about helping CEOs evolve into the CEO their business needs right now and in the future, which is something I know a lot of us are struggling with. He will then put them back in control so they can maximize their time, lead with confidence, and grow a business without losing their sanity. Byron, I am so excited to have you here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here as well. Perfect. So I would love to hear, you know, that was an incredible bio. So impressed by all the things you've done. Can you just kind of start and walk us through how you got to doing what you do today? Yeah, so all of this kind of started after my dad's cancer took me on this journey of transformation where I lost 50 pounds, I turned my life around and I started a business helping people from around the world get control of their health and lives. And while it was fantastic what I did, we're doing coaching and workshops and all of this incredible stuff. Truth be told, when it came to building the company, I was completely in over my head. I'd never run a team before. I didn't know how to manage people. I didn't know how to deal with all the the pressure and all of these other things going on. And I just became completely overwhelmed and burned out with all of the things I needed to get done. I remember just reaching a point where I was looking at my calendar with this feeling of dread over the fire that I had to face next. And for me, I just got to a point where I realized that if I don't figure out how to get this under control, I'm just going to have to throw in the towel. Like I was just completely mentally and emotionally drained. So I spent the next few years learning everything I could about psychology and mindset and dealing with conflicts, managing people and everything else in between, determined to figure out how to actually get this under control. And once I did, I, the time I was working with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, and naturally these conversations started coming into what we we're talking about. And I uncovered that actually helping them navigate it wasn't just my superpower. It's what I love to do. So I took the business in a different direction, and that's really got me to where I am today. So it's just the natural evolution of myself to then help people who are struggling like I was. That's incredible. And, you know, Byron, you used words. They're exactly what I hear all the time. What is the next fire I have to put out? That is always how CEOs are feeling, and especially CEOs who started as kind of more of just like a passion project, doing something they absolutely love, and then getting to the point of saying, oh, now I actually have a business to run, and this is a whole different ball game. So I would love for you to kind of just give us some of the things as you looked into the psychology and the mindset, you know, what did you start to discover that were things that people were consistently having problems with? Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is your business's growth will never outgrow your inner growth. And this is why I see time and time again with the CEOs I work with, they started the business, they're incredibly passionate, they've grown it to a certain point, but the way that they're thinking and showing up actually becomes the reason why the growth plateaus because 
when you're not in the right mindset, you're not showing up as an effective leader, that's when you don't make the right decisions, problems start to stall, your teams get frustrated, and ultimately it's why you become the bottleneck. And that's why from a mindset standpoint, you have to really start figuring out how do you actually make timely decisions? How do you get out of your own head? How do you lead with confidence? Because if you're always overthinking and putting things off, that's going to have such detrimental results ultimately to the business's growth. Yeah. So you've mentioned this, you know, we've talked about it before. I see it in your bio that having the concept of the CEO being the bottleneck and, you know, really hurting growth. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So one of the biggest things I see is issues with letting go. Because when you're a founder, you can get away with doing everything. You get pulled into like product and marketing and sales and all of these different areas. But as the company starts to scale, what tends to happen is your role has to become far more honed in. And this is incredibly uncomfortable because when the business is your baby, you've wanted it all to be done a certain way, you have a lot of these mental blocks where you convince yourself that either people can't do it as well as you or you're the only one you can actually get it done. And this is where I see so many CEOs stepping into this role for the first time. They have huge issues letting go and delegating. But at the same time, you've only got so many hours in the day. So if you're allowing yourself to be pulled into tasks that you shouldn't be doing, this is where projects start to get pulled in, things get delayed, things fall behind, and ultimately you burn yourself out. So often you have to get into that mentality where you can figure out, this is my zone of genius. These are the things that can only be done by me and then being very defensive with yourself, what you then commit to taking on. Yeah, that's super important. And I actually have a concept called like, what is the limiting resource? And that's something I talk to my clients about a lot because I have clients who are transforming through when they started that limiting resource was their finances. And they were like, I can't afford somebody to do this. I need to do it all my own. And that really gets them into this mindset of like, all right, I can do everything myself. I get scrappy. I'll figure it out. And most people fail to miss when that limiting resource changed from money to time. And when it does, your mindset has to change so dramatically of saying, okay, my time is now worth so much in this company, whether it's financially or just as a leader and being able to understand, is that something you kind of see with people a lot too, feeling like, you know, they're not used to having a team around them. 100%. And the problem as well is they also don't stop to audit what's actually going on. Um, I give the example of one of my books of a CEO I was working with who one day we got on a coaching session and he was beyond stressed. And I thought initially that it was because later that week I knew he had a huge board meeting. But when he started breaking it down, he was telling me about how the following week he had a business trip he was going on and he was trying to sort out accommodation, his itinerary and arrange a car and all these different things. And I had to stop and question. I was like, why are you doing this? Because even though at the beginning of the business, these are things that he had to take on. A few months prior to that, he'd hired an assistant, but he hadn't th- thought to hand, or, hand it off. So even though it would only take probably 45 minutes to sort out, he was losing hours worrying about it and trying to put all these pieces together. But the reason why is he hadn't stopped to think about, should this actually be done by him? And this is something that, like you said, that constantly it's that thing of when you start out where you have to do it, as your time becomes more valuable, you need to really figure out what is actually having a positive ROI and what you have to get yourself out of. Definitely. And I love the way you phrase that. I want to talk about something that you kind of had mentioned when we talked about CEOs being the bottleneck. You said they don't make quick decisions that can kind of stop the process of growth. So what are some instances where you see CEOs? I know you kind of just mentioned this CEO just pondering over this decision and stressing. 
what are some instances where you see CEOs really not being able to make decisions and how can they easily change that to be, have the data, be informed without having to be the one doing all of it? So it starts with uncovering what it is you're actually afraid of. Because a lot of the time, the reason why you're avoiding making a decision is out of fear. You're building it up in your mind as this huge ordeal, whether it's something that's a big risk, whether it could cause disruption in the company, whatever's going on, you're looking at all of the things in an in a isolated incident. And this is why you really need to fra- reframe it and figure out, okay, where is that fear actually coming from? Because often you're never going to have full clarity on what's happening. You need to make educated decisions based on the information in front of you and then allow yourself to move forward with the mentality of, okay, even if we do make a mistake here, we can then pivot, we can course correct, we can make adjustments. But a lot of the time CEOs, in my experience, they build it up in their mind where they're like, if I don't get this right straight away, they just become paralyzed. And that can be across the board when it comes to hiring new people, releasing new campaigns. I've seen people that I've worked with where they'll have come to me and they'll put off making big decisions for months at a time because they're just worried about what could go wrong or because of their past behaviors where they tend to then, when they make a wrong decision, beat themselves up. So they know they're going to spiral into all of that self-doubt. So avoiding it is almost a defense mechanism to stop them from putting themselves through that. And that's why if you really want to be more effective with this, you have to take that pressure off yourself. You need to go in with the mentality of, Yes, you at times you are going to make mistakes, but sometimes you have to dive in and then allow yourself to figure it out along the way. And then it's also just looking at, okay, if you are so unsure with this, what's missing? Are there conversations you need to have? Are there the right resources you need to invest in? Do you need to turn to your team and the people around you to uncover what's actually going on? It's so much of it's because you're getting stuck in your own head. So you need to take that step back, figure out where the fear is coming from, what it is that you're holding back from, and what do you need to do to clarify it? Yeah, that's super insightful. And I love that you said, you know, learning what you're actually afraid of, because I definitely believe there is probably something deep down inside people that are keeping them from making these decisions. And like you said, maybe they beat themselves up when things go wrong. So obviously in this conversation, it really seems like, you know, being an effective CEO has both aspects of fear and confidence, right? Fear can help us, but it can also hurt us because I find fear is a great motivator, right? Knowing, hey, I am in charge of this success and and I have to move forward, but also it can paralyze us in making decisions, kind of like you just said. So is there a good way for people to find this balance that really works for them to both be motivated, but not paralyzed by this fear? Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Fear is only a bad thing if it's stopping you from taking action. Because a lot of the time, if you don't have fear related to what you're doing, that's a sign that you're thinking too small. And it means that actually you need to evaluate with yourself. Are you playing it too safe? And do you really need to start taking bigger actions to get to the next level? But I find on the other side of that, if fear is really paralyzing you and holding you back, you have to really reframe it. And one of my favorite ways to do that is to tip the scale in the other direction. Rather than you obsessing over the fear of what happens if you fail what happens if you get rejected or you're not good enough you have to start focusing on the fear of what happens if you don't follow through 
Because if you don't take action, what happens if you fall short on your revenue goals? What if you don't manage to grow the business or create the impact that you want to make? What if you can't provide the right life for your family or your your team members? Then all of a sudden, the pain of not taking action is more painful than the pain of what could go wrong. And this can be incredibly empowering when you're in situations where you don't want to pick up the phone to talk to that potential customer. You don't want to start work on that project or whatever it is. It's just starting to reframe it with yourself to get you to take action. Definitely. And something that I've learned over, you know, the past few months of me really growing and kind of being scared to take these actions is I would kind of call it like you look at these people who seem to be fearless and they just do all these things and you're like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. And I am like, well, I'm limited here. I don't know if I can do that. But what I've learned to reframe that as is, well, fear is just, I am super self-aware. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not. And that actually might be a good thing because if I'm able to identify these things that I am self-aware about that are causing me my fears, hey, I don't feel like I have enough education in this area to serve this client. Okay, great. Now we know what we need to do to go fix it. And so I kind of like to reframe fear as just being super, super self-aware. And sometimes I hate that, but I know in the long run, that's going to be really, really good for the growth of my company. I absolutely love that. You're completely spot on. It's all about developing that self-awareness of where your strengths are and where you need to level up yourself to get to the standard that's actually needed. But there's two parts of that as well when you see that fearless leader. Because firstly, you've got to recognize that the greatest CEOs, part of what's made them successful is they're always thinking five steps ahead. So they have a game plan for where they're going and they recognize that often the biggest payoffs are going to require short-term losses that people around them will perceive as a potential risk or a setback, but they don't care about that because they know that when they go through that, it's going to have massive payoffs long-term. So that's why they're always making decisions based on where they want to get to, not based on where they are. But the other side of that as well is when you see these fearless leaders, you've got to be careful that you're not projecting because I see this so often, especially with younger CEOs, they look at their idols and the people they see as ahead of them, and then they get stuck in their own head. And they, they make up all these mental stories of that person's got it all together. Look at how amazing they are. But you don't know what's going on in that person's head. You don't know the challenges they've gone through to get to where they are, the stress that they're under, the pressure and the facade they're putting up. So you always have to be so careful comparing yourself to these people because a lot of the time you can dehumanize them. You can just build it up in your mind to the point that you feel like you're not good enough or based on the perception that you're making. So yeah, you just got to be really careful. Is this the way you become your own worst enemy here? Yeah, that's definitely a great point. And especially, we definitely only see the things that we are meant to see. And those are probably the best parts of the CEO and the business's success. Something I've really loved over the past few years is just the business world being more accessible. We have, you know, very successful people who've now started podcasts and shared about their experience. And I was listening to, I don't know if any of our listeners have listened to The Crazy Ones with Alex Lieberman. I was listening to his podcast the other day, super successful founder of Morning Brew. And he was talking about how he felt imposter syndrome. He's sold out a successful company, still feeling imposter syndrome. And I'm like, okay, you did it all and you still have these feelings and just being super transparent about these people who we look at and see like they have it all. And they're like, no, this is actually my journey. And so I've loved the transparency of a lot of people in those positions over the past few years, kind of telling us, no, this is my reality. And I think it's changed the way that business operates a little bit. 
I absolutely love that so many of these people are speaking out about their experiences because the problem with social media is you forget about the fact that people only show you what they want you to see. And I've lost count of how many times I've got on application calls with CEOs where I've looked at their LinkedIn and it's all getting awards, smiles, accolades. Like they look there like they're on top of their hill. And then they get on the call with me and they're breaking down. Like I remember there was a guy I spoke to a few months ago who came to me and he just said, I don't know if I've got it in me anymore. They just grown to 150 team members. They're about to double in size again. He was like, it's taken everything out of me to get here. And I don't know if I can keep pushing. Like he was completely burnt out. He wasn't seeing his family. He was stressed out of his mind. But if you looked at a picture of him, you'd be like, that guy's got it all together. And that's why people listening to us really need to understand that when you're at the top and everyone's looking at you, like it's so easy to internalize and bottle up all that stress because you don't want the outside world to see that your internal state doesn't match your external success. And that's why you have, I'm so glad that there's such a bigger conversation about the roller coaster ride that running a business actually is because I think so few people actually have the mindset that is required to perform at the highest level. And then a lot of people, and I'll put myself included in this, go into it completely naive to how much pressure there actually is. And that's why their business becomes a mental and emotional drain because they're just completely in uncharted territory. Yeah. So can you talk about a little bit more of the emotional drain? Not necessarily, oh, it takes a lot of time to run this company, but the pressure that maybe you felt running your company or you talk to a lot of CEOs that they feel that just kind of pushes them into this position of burnout. Yeah. It's just the pure fact that running a business is just really high highs followed by even lower lows. Like you can have days where you can hit your biggest ever revenue. Everything's amazing. And then two minutes later, you have a huge issue and all of a sudden you're straight back into firefighting. So it's just a constant shift in emotions where everything just feels all over the place. And you then combine that with the fact that there's going to be times where you can do everything right and you're still going to come up short. Like the only guarantee and certainty that you have in being a CEO is that every single day, everything's going to go wrong. Like it's basically signing up for a life where you're going to have to get into the ring, get punched in the face daily, and then get up coming smiling and coming back for more. And that's why for me, like if you don't learn to really get your emotions under control, you're just going to constantly be on edge where you're one setback away from a meltdown. And this is why so many CEOs become burnt out because they get pushed to a point where they start to resent the business. They're like, is this actually worth it? And this is why for me, it goes back to that foundational level. If if you're not looking after yourself and you're not putting the right practices in place to really manage the stress and deal with the setbacks, you're never going to be able to perform at the level you need to, to really grow and scale. Yeah, I'm going to be forcing my husband to listen to that because he's always like, oh, you're great one day and bad the next. And I'm like, no, it's normal. Like That's part <laughs> of it. And I think that is a huge reason, you know, something I've been working on lately is surrounding myself with other business owners who do understand that because that is just not a part of life that that many people in your circle will understand unless they also go through it. So do you have any tips on how to manage that emotion, whether it's, you know, the highs or the lows or or how we get through that? I'd love to dive into them. Like one thing I just want to add into what you said, because I think it's super valuable to anyone listening to this is you have to really recognize that the people around you aren't going to understand what you're going through. They're not going to get your drive. They're not going to understand the long hours. They're never going to understand the stress. And that's why you've just got to go in with that level of self-compassion that even though their intentions are in the right place, they're never going to fully get 
the life that you're living. And that's why, like you said, you have to surround yourself with the right people. You have to really get a networker that you can unload. Even if you get a coach, a therapist, you join a mastermind, like whatever that is, find a way to have people around you that you can talk to. Because if you just bottle it all up, it's an incredibly lonely life. So going back to some ways to deal with that, the first one is getting people you can talk to. Like that's such a valuable way. The second one is to look at practices that allow you to really deal with and manage stress. It's looking at everything from how you start your day. Like some of the worst things that CEOs do is immediately they pick up their phone. They go straight into their emails and messages. There's never anything good there. It's all fires. It's all problems that immediately puts them into that high stress state. So it's looking at how can you be proactive with how you start your morning that allows you to ease into your day? How do you then have regular intervals throughout the day where you go for a walk, you unload, you allow yourself to get away so you're not just caught in the chaos? How do you then prioritize the right foods, exercise, and getting high quality sleep? Like you have to look at your life holistically and then figure out, okay, what is triggering you? What is causing a huge amount of stress and then how do you put processes in place to mitigate that and it's going to be different for everyone some people love exercise some people love meditation some people love disconnecting from technology you've just got to figure out what works for you and then make it a non-negotiable and i think that it's also important to reframe our mindset to know that it's okay to do something that isn't quote unquote productive on paper because i know for me for a really long time i would be like well i need to sit here and finish this work like i'm not going to go to the gym i'm not going to go on a walk whatever and my brain kind of just stopped having these creative or unique or new thoughts because i never gave it a chance to just think and wonder. And then I started going back into, you know, taking a daily walk and going to the gym. And it gave my body a chance to be like, okay, we're stepping away from the work. We are now allowing ourselves to have these new thoughts, to think about other things. And I mean, going on a walk once a day is probably one of the most productive things I do, even though I'm not like sitting down working on client work. And it took me a really long time to be like, no, self-care is very productive. Stepping away is one of the most productive things you can do. I couldn't agree more. And that's why I go for a walk every lunchtime, non-negotiable. Because anyone who's listening to this, I'm sure they can relate to when you're trying to be creative and think of new ideas and you sit down and you just blank, like you can't think of anything. And that's why it's when you're trying to force it out, it just doesn't happen. But it's when you take a step away and you allow your subconscious to run wild and you get some fresh air and you allow yourself to process it, that's when you get your best ideas. And if you look at some of the most effective CEOs of all time, like Jeff Bezos was doing something that I saw recently where he was talking that he has non-negotiable time daily to go for a walk and leave his phone behind and just think because he recognized that that is the most valuable time where he gets his best ideas. And this is really where you have to get out of your own way here because when you're in the thick of it, you convince yourself that you can't step away. You're like, oh, it's too busy. I need to push through. But you don't recognize that often you're having diminishing returns Because a task that could take 20 minutes ends up taking two hours because you haven't taken that time to really audit. Is this something you should be doing right now? Or are you not in the right headspace and you have to then give yourself permission to walk away? Yeah, that's super great. And you know what? If he can do that, every single one of our listeners can do that. So if that's something that's going to make a difference for you, put your phone away and go on a walk. I cannot recommend walks enough. So Byron, I know you have two books out now and one coming out super soon. Can you kind of give us a rundown on each of these books and what is in each one? Who might want to pick up each one? Yeah, sure. So my first book is called The Effective CEO. 
And essentially, I took everything that I've learned about time management, energy, and productivity and broke it down, showing how people how to map out their days, create the right routines, and really perform at a higher level. Um, CEO and control is a lot building further on the work I do with my private clients. So it's diving a lot more into the mindset of how to get out of a reactive state, how to make better decisions, how to really navigate problems at a higher level. With those two books, I wanted to tackle the performance aspect from two different angles, really passing on the work that I've learned from working with CEOs in 15 countries to help them become more effective in their role. And then my third book that's coming out now is called Maybe You Should Give Up. And in it, I break down seven ways to get out of your own way and take control of your life. And maybe you should give up. It's not about giving up on your goals and dreams. It's about helping you let go of everything that's stopping you from achieving them, whether that's fear, comparing yourself to other people, like worrying about problems that haven't happened yet. It's really breaking that self-sabotaging cycle so that you can really start showing up as who you need to be to take control of the life that you want. I love that. That sounds so insightful. Cannot wait to see it. When is that going to come out and where can we find it? So that's going to be our June 27th and it's available now to order anywhere that you can get books. And I have put together some special pre-order bonuses. So if anyone listening to this does go and order a copy, um, send me a message because I'm actually giving people access to my Amplify um, productivity course, which is the ultimate time, energy and productivity course for CEOs and business leaders. So it normally sells for $297. But if you pre-order the book and send me a screenshot of the receipt, I'm giving that away for free as a thank you. Amazing. We love that. So listeners, I am going to link all of these below in the show notes. So if you are interested in that, absolutely be sure to take advantage of that deal. Byron, if our listeners do want to connect with you in another way, maybe follow you on social media, connect with you, where can they go to find you? The easiest place to find me is byronmorrison.com. And I'm also active on LinkedIn's my main platform. So I put daily posts and tips and strategies on being a more effective CEO. Just search for Byron Morrison. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook um, under author Byron Morrison. Amazing. That's fantastic. Well, Byron, this has been such an insightful conversation. I know I've gotten a lot out of it. I hope our listeners have too. And I am certain... I will, and they will go look at these books. They sound so incredible and we cannot wait for the next one to come out. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So to our CEOs, thank you for listening and we will see you next week. 